And welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is Shopify Forms. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who's supported the company so far. If you've got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on all of the social media platforms. You can check out the links to those at the top of the website. Be sure to join our Discord server. We do a lot of great discussions and behind the scenes there, and we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you haven't already, check out our affiliate program to become an affiliate salesperson for our product. Recommendations are the best way to sell the product, and people like you are the ones that help us make it go. So check out that at murdycreative.co slash collab. All right, so today we're talking about Shopify forms. Now, this one is one of those topics where people may not find themselves deeply interested upon first glance, but it's only because they're not really looking very closely initially. I had a wonderful conversation with a gentleman last night. We were DMing back and forth on Discord about his thoughts on the subscription service and you know his, his concerns about whether it would conflict with the brand, focusing on quality and minimalism, and if you know something like that might be a problem. I had another gentleman in, a, in the Discord who was talking about some, some pros and cons to the, the subscription box, and I think he was right on the money in a couple of different ways. And so I was talking back and forth, but one of the things that came up was that during the conversation with the gentleman about the minimalism was that he said, I imagine most of your customers are, are focused on minimalism. And I said, well, I don't really know. And he kind of, it was a little surprised by that, I think. And we were talking, we talked about how with an online only business, it's very challenging to get any sort of real information about your customers. I mean, I know your name and I know where I'm shipping your product to and I know what you bought, but I don't know anything about how you're intending to use the product. I don't know what your age or your, your, your demographic is in any way, shape or form. I don't have any good way to know why you bought the product per se, rather than buying someone else's product or even how you found us in the first place. So in many ways, we build our marketing campaigns. We build our product lines based off of me and all of my very egocentric thinking, which is not great because to some extent we want to serve a customer. We want to be there for you guys. Now, I've always had the philosophy that I'm in my own first customer, right? So I am the first person to love my product. If I don't love it, nobody else will. And when I need to make a product that is something that I do love. So that's kind of my first benchmark. Obviously, we have our design parameters from the no glue, no stitching, built to last a lifetime, quality leather, that kind of world. We've built that, those things. So the product has to define by, it has to be a product that aesthetically I like and think is very usable and product, you know, and, and is the right type of product. And B, it's got to fit our design parameters. But there's this C metric that we don't really have a good framework for, which is, does the customer want and need it? Now, I am blessed to live in a consumer age. And what I mean by that is I'm blessed in that I live in an age where people have so much prosperity, they have so much extra money that they can buy things they don't need. They can buy things that they want. They can buy things that they think will make them feel a certain way. They have the pleasure and the prosperity to do that. That is by no means a guarantee. In many ways, most of history was people with deep privation saying, I can only buy what I absolutely need. And so you as a company need to make what I need. Now, for us, obviously, I want to work on figuring out how to fill that C question, that C element, which is, what does the customer want and need? So Shopify Forms is, is a first step for us. I think it's, a, it's an important step for us because we can build out on our website a variety of forms, different surveys that measure different things and have different results at the end. For example, we can do something as simple as, 
how did you find out about us? How did you hear about us? Who are you? Things like that, which we may be able to do with relatively modest rewards, right? There's a classic understanding in market research that if you're going to ask people to give up a lot of information, you need to give them a lot in response. And I think even more so nowadays with the world of privacy and the world that people have in their minds about the internet, I think there's been a, a, a recoiling from the privacy invasion that the internet has become. And so some people are very reticent to give any information whatsoever to anyone online, which I, I think overall that's probably for the best. I think that the internet privacy world is a complica complicated one. And as a marketer, I've always kind of had my feet in both worlds because I like to not have my stuff shared with, you know, the government and big corporations and things like that. But at the same time, I'm one of those small corporations that really benefits from the fact that marketing analytics today is an astounding miracle that on social media, I can get my ads in front of very targeted and specific individuals without having to spend an enormous amount of money, which is a, in many ways an important element of how the modern world from a financial perspective has continued to succeed. Because if you look back 50 years, 70 years, historically speaking, a lot of marketing dollars were spent on commercials that were blasted out to a large variety of people, some of whom might have been customers and some of whom weren't. And those marketing dollars were just wasted. They were just, they were blasted into the ether and did nothing. Well, nowadays, a lot of marketing budgets, because of the way that advanced targeting and privacy inv invasion has happened in social worlds, allows for us to say that we can have really accurate algorithms that can make sure that my $100 can go as absolutely as far as possible to get my ad in front of only the people that are valid customers. So like I said, it has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages, and I'm aware of that, and I personally try to protect myself with VPNs and things like that all the time. So I can understand both sides of it. And so because of that, I think there's been a large recoiling of people away from the desire to share. And so for us, we've got that burden to overcome because we need to know about our customers. Now we have something that's going for us, which is that we make a good product and we're very transparent about who we are. And we don't sell your data and we don't use that as a revenue stream in any way, shape or form. So we can say, I think with, with absolute honesty and integrity that any information you share with us is a completely voluntary and B is something that we will only use internally to better serve you. So that pitch, which is actually what it's the pitch is supposed to be with this privacy invasion is real for us. We can be honest and, and, and people of integrity when we say that. And I think an important element of that question then is, well, how much do we have to give up to get people to share? Now, there's actually a kind of a bit of an, an issue with this in many ways. And this is, by the way, there was a whole, I did a whole semester on market research in college when I was doing my undergrad. And there's a lot of well-known problems with market research. I'll give you a classic one that we can all understand. In the last election cycle, the polls were wrong by a lot. And the cycle before that, the polls were wrong by a lot. In fact, election polling has been way off for a while now. And part of the reason why is because certain types of people are eager to answer when a pollster calls and are eager to give their two cents worth. And other people resent the fact that the pollster is calling them and refuse to answer anything or in most cases they answer with a lie. So there's this, there's this concept of self-selection bias, which is where the people that are most eager to provide you with answers may not be a, the best representation of the actual demographic you're trying to study, right? If you ask some people, are you happy? 
the people who are unhappy because of their negative feelings and the fact that negative energy, usually negative feelings provides you with a lot of energy. Um, people who are with a very negative feeling may respond very, very confidently and with great gusto, despite the fact that they may not actually be representative of the best selection. So for us, when we look at our, our surveying system and our market research, there's a lot of issues to contend with. One, the fact that people don't want to share very much information. Two, the people that do want to share a lot of information may not be the best representation of the average customer or in many ways, the customer that is the most likely to buy from us. Different things, but... And when we look at the data that we're getting back from them, we have to ask ourselves, did they give us the answers we were looking for because they wanted to finish the survey quickly? Did they give us the answers that, we, that they were honest? And did we write the questions in the correct way? Because you can write survey questions to get a specific answer. In fact, in a very common method of political surveying or scientific survey even sometimes, or marketing surveys, the way that the question is worded can be intentionally written to put the respondent into a place where if they say what they want to say, they will look bad. And so instead they say what they think the correct answer is and is a lie. Right. So the way you phrase questions is very challenging and you need to be neutral in the way that you ask them. Now, some questions can be very basic, factual. What is your age? Right. What is your um, what, what, where, where do you live? Right. How did you hear about us? Right. Some of those things can be very open ended and they can be or they can be very factually based. But then there's other questions like how much money do you make? That's a tricky one. Right, because people don't really want to answer that question because they don't feel comfortable answering that question. Right now, there's a couple of ways that pollsters have solved for this. To some extent, they make it anonymous, which to some extent I think is a perfectly reasonable thing to do, and we probably will do that ourselves. However, with anonymized polls, it's very difficult to validate the data because you don't know who answered. They could have just lied to get the prize, whatever it was at the end, and there's no way to confirm that that's true. Right, so but. Let's just put that aside for the moment. You can anonymize the poll and say, we're not going to take your name. We don't care. We don't know where you're coming from. We don't know how you found us, right? We just, here's the poll after you purchase from us. And we can ask generic questions. And one, another way to solve it is you say, okay, we're going to make the categories very broad. We're going to say, do you make between $20,000 and $100,000? Do you make over $100,000? Do you make under $20,000, right? To some extent that most people will feel comfortable answering that, I bet. However it probably won't provide us very valuable information because the categories are so broad that someone who's making $21,000 and someone who's making $99,000 are very different people with very different ways to spend their money and they both fall into that same category. So is that category a valid answer or is that category a valid tool for us? So I think when we look at the survey questions themselves, that can be a challenge. And then you have to realize that sometimes when people talk about themselves, the way that they talk about themselves is not the way that they would talk about, or not the way that others would talk about them. It's actually a very common concept. And for example, this is why in polls, in case you're curious, the question, who do you think your neighbor voted for, is actually a better predictor of success than who did you vote for? Because what ends up happening is those that don't think the pollster is on their side will tell the truth about who they voted for when talking about their neighbor, and they'll lie when they're talking about themselves. So to some extent, we have to realize that 
when we ask the questions, we need to ask them in a way that does not put the respondent in a position where they feel uncomfortable answering it the right or wrong way. There can't be a right or wrong way, right? And you have to be able to build the survey to have useful answers that provide you with information that can be valuable to your decision making. And you have to realize that when people talk about themselves, they may not be telling the truth per se, or they may be telling the truth in their mind, but if that was the case, maybe that's not the right. For example, if you ask some, if you ask a gentleman, do you consider yourself um, the manly type, right? And I'm, I'm just making up a question. That's not a very good question for a couple of reasons, but if you, if you ask that question, right? Well, what does that exactly mean? And how many men, how many men are going to answer no? I mean, that's, it's, it's a tricky question for that reason, right? So there's an elements of this that we have to realize that we have to realize that there's going to be a self-selection bias. There's going to be question bias. There's going to be um, the bias that people, when they answer questions, have a tendency to kind of paint themselves in a specific light. Even with anonymized surveys, by the way, they did a study of this. They found that anonymized surveys, um, I can't remember the study. I, I, if, I, if I was a really good podcaster, I'd have it referenced in the note. All I remember is that we talked about it in my, my undergrad course, which was that um, certain... When, when people answered questions anonymously and when people answered questions with their name on them, they both li- they lied to make themselves look better either way. So it didn't matter that it was anonymous. They still lied, <laughs> which to me seems a little silly. But I understand that sometimes people are lying to themselves as well as to the, the maybe they're not lying on purpose. They just have a mistaken view of their own perspective. Either way. And the final piece of the puzzle is that you have to create the correct incentive to do it. You have to provide them with a large enough incentive that they're going to be, that they're going to want to take the survey. Now, this creates a couple of problems. One, it fuels the self-selection bias based off of the reward. Because if you, let's say, for example, that I wanted to survey customers and I said, I'll give you a free product if you take this survey, right? Well, the customers that like our product are going to probably take that survey because they want the free product, but the customers who are unhappy with our product aren't going to take it. So it's going to create a negatively, it's going to create a survey that skews in a bad way towards the positive. And it won't provide us with the important feedback that we have, which is what didn't you like about the product, right? And where are the areas we can improve? So we need to create an appropriate reward. And it can't just be no reward because to some extent you have to, people, people don't, people are inherently of the opinion that their information is private and their information is valuable and they don't want to share it with you and they're kind of right. So, you know, we have to create an incentive. And so when you're asking for a little bit of information, you can get away with a small reward. When you're asking for a lot of information, particularly deeply personal information, you have to give them a big reward, something that they really, really want and that they're willing to disclose for. So, how do you gauge those rewards? And how do you make it so that those rewards, how do, you, how do you make it so that the reward that they get is at least appropriately cost to you to justify the valuable data that you're going to receive? And what I mean by that is, if you have a survey where we're giving away, I don't know, executive cut folios at the end of it, right? That's an extremely expensive product for us to make. And if we only get, you know, if we get 100 respondents, if we get 1,000 respondents, it's going to be an incredibly expensive study for us to do because we're going to have to give away a lot of product. It's going to cost us money. And the data we get out of it might not be valid. And so all of that money was for nothing. So 
when we evaluate the reward and we evaluate who is who will be enticed by the reward what type of person will be enticed by the reward do we think and do we think that they're going to provide honest answers and do we think that they're going to provide answers that are um properly formed and phrased so as to provide us with the information we're looking for i mean you can see how there's 15 different variables that come into play in this kind of market research which is part of the reason why it's so expensive to do and it often is somewhat unknowable whether it's right or not it's unvalidable unvalidatable i don't know what that word is if you know it put in the comments either way the point is if we can do this study though it might provide us with some answers might provide us with some important answers and more importantly it can provide us with a way to gauge something it provides us with a tool to develop metrics now, metrics aren't everything. Obviously, an important part of business, an important part of small business, an important part of manufacturing, an important part of the artistry of what we do is the gut, right? Is the, I think this will be a big success because I like it, because I designed it well, because I want it to be something that I want, right? It's, there's, there's certain elements that are just heuristic, and we've worked with that pretty much exclusively for years, right? The Murray Creative Company for many years has basically done no market research. That's not entirely true. We take our customer service responses and we do mine those for information. So anytime someone's got a feedback, a problem, a complaint or something like that, or they're asking for something, we will put those into, we have a place to track those. And so that does help us gauge when there are issues. And that's led to product development over time. So when people have asked for rings, for binders, every time they've someone's asked, we have put it in a feedback situation and we've been able to analyze it. And at some point it became more, it's like, okay, a lot of people are asking for this. We need to provide that solution, right? So we have done some metrics along those lines, but we haven't done really any formal surveying. And I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit on both sides of this. I see the value that it can provide, and I see that it can provide important information we don't have yet. On the flip side, I can also see that it's going to be expensive potentially to do, and the answers we may not get out of it might not be very valuable or very correct, and we might have enough bias in it that it actually guides us in the wrong direction. Because, um, like, for example, I had before, the, the, the reviews or the surveys skew towards people who are, have a very positive view of the company, a positive experience with the company. And so those people point the data in one direction. And if we give that survey too much credence, all of a sudden they're driving the ship and the people who have negative aspects of the company who are unhappy with the product for one reason or another are not catered to. They, don't, they, aren't, they aren't met where they're at. So all of this to say, I'm very excited for the Shopify forums. I'm hoping that it opens up the door to market research for us. I'm hoping to get more information from this and get some answers from this. I have a question for you guys. You guys in the podcast are almost always people who are very engaged in the company. You guys are people who listen closely, who pay attention to what we're doing, who have obviously been fans for a while, whether you've bought or not. So the question I would have for you is this. Either in the Discord, if you join the Discord, in the podcast discussion area, or in the comments below on YouTube, tell me what you think the direction we should go with the surveys are. Should we be hunting for product ideas? Should we be hunting for um, demographic data? And what do you think is an area where you would feel comfortable giving? How much information would you, what would it take? Let me rephrase it. What would it take to get you to give up a lot of information about yourself, including things like interests, hobbies, income, um, disposable income, I should say, what would you be willing to buy a product for? Um, anything like that what to, to get up a lot of personal information what would it take is there anything that we could offer you that you would take 
I want to hear your feedback. I want to get a sense of this. I don't really have a lot to go on in this particular area. So anything you can provide is, is beneficial to us. And please, like I said, if you have more questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all, join the, uh, join the discord and tell us there. Cause we do want to hear it from you there. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to check back in next Thursday for that next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button as well as the notification bell to get notified when we launch new episodes. If you have any questions, concerns, issues, or other things that you'd like to reach out to us about, feel free to head to the main page of our website, murdercreative.co. And at the very bottom, there's the contact form. On that contact form directly above it is frequently asked questions. It's a great place to get some easy answers if you want right away, but you can reach out to us via that contact form. You can also send us an email directly, S-A-L-E-S at murdercreative.co, sales at murdercreative.co. You can also call us, 414-434-9001. We're available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Time. You can also text us at that number as well, 414-434-9001, and we're happy to help in any way we can. If you think we deserve it, a good review go a long way to help us grow, both a review on the podcast on one of app you're listening on or a review on the product. If you have one, you can go to murdycreative.co slash review to leave us a review. That'll take you right now to Google. That's where we're keeping our reviews. We've done it in the Facebook in the past. Now we're doing it on Google to improve our SEO, so it kind of depends, but murdycreative.co slash review will take you to the best place to leave us a review. You can also read our reviews at murdycreative.co slash reviews, and that'll have all of the links to all of the different places, and you can go read them if you want to get a little more information about the product and you're curious about it. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising, so please tell your friends, tell your family about it. You can get a little something by just joining our rewards program, the bottom left-hand corner of the website. Also, if you want to become kind of a more of a sales rep for the Murdy Creative Company, you got a lot of our products, you like them, you want to get your company involved, or you want to, you want to help rep the product, um, join the collabs program, murdycreative.co slash collab, C-O-L. L-A-B, oof. Or you can click on the affiliate link in the bottom right-hand corner that'll take you to our collabs page where you can sign up, become an affiliate. You get uh, a little percentage off of every sale you make and the people that you're selling to get a 10% discount off of any purchase they make. So that's a really great way to get a little something out of doing this. If you have any podcast apps you want to hear more about, send them my way. I'm always looking for something to talk about and I appreciate your guys' input and feedback on the Discord. If you're looking for multiple items for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason, we have bulk discounts built right into the cart. All you need to do is mix and match to your heart's desire, add everything you want to the cart, and it'll automatically apply the discount in the cart now so you can see it there. There are a few caveats, and I'll give you an example. Add additional engraving doesn't count towards your bulk discount, but the core product line does, of course, and does the accessories, and you can get the bulk discount with five items to start with. So... That's where the first tier is. It goes up from there. So just keep on adding them until you're really happy with the price. And that's the place to buy them at. If for whatever reason you were looking for a custom engraved item, we have no minimum order quantities and no setup fees. It's a simple flat fee, normally about $15. Now, to do that, you have to go to any of the product pages that have the blue button that says add custom logo. When you click on that button, it's going to launch the customizer. Once you're into the customizer, be sure to click on the exclamation point with the circle around it and select your product variant. You have to go there to select the color, the insert, things like that. Whatever selection you made on the prior page, it cannot remember it. We're still working on trying to build that out. But in the meantime, you can go there. You can upload logos. You can add text. Please do not, not, don't do anything copyright unless you have permission. Hit add to cart, and then you can change the quantity there if you're going to get a bunch for your company. And the bulk discount also applies to the engraving itself. So that's a great thing. If for whatever reason you don't see the, ad, the blue ad logo button, feel free to send us an email directly, salias at murdercreative.co, and just include in the subject line, custom item, custom order, something like that, and include the image that you would like in engraved on the, the item, as well as the item information, color, things like that, and what you, where you'd like it engraved. And we can work on creating a mock-up and a custom order link for you to use at checkout. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day, and goodbye.